Welcome to the Women in Technology podcast. My name is Sly Gittins, and this series is aimed at amplifying the stupendous, the amazing women that's inside of the technology field. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this podcast. Today, I'm continuing the Women in Technology series. I have Hattie with me, and I am so excited to share her story. Hattie, will you please introduce yourself to my audience? Yeah, so hello everybody. I am Hadi Mendez. I am from Brooklyn, New York. So hello, Brooklyn. And um, I'm Puerto Rican. So I know Hispanic Heritage Month is around the corner. So happy Hispanic Heritage Month to everybody. Um, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Sly. Uh, that's awesome. I can't wait. A fellow Brooklyn Knight, you know, I grew up in Bed Stuy. So this is cool. This is near and dear to my heart. And uh, let's get right into it. Can will you share your background and your journey for getting into your first position? Sure. So it's kind of a funny story. If, can I tell a story, Sly? Yes, you can. Okay. So the story is that um, 12-year-old, 13-year-old Hottie did not have a clue what she was going to major in. And, you know, I, I was a good student, but like I really, and I was good at math. Those were like kind of the two things. So decent student, good at math. And I really didn't know what to study. And in, in um, New York, when you apply for high schools, you have to pick a major. And um, so, and long story short is my mother, who didn't know anything about technology at the time, this was like 1983, 84. So think about that time. And just to give you a sense of what technology was like back in 1983 and 84, uh, I looked it up and what was like all the rage was the IMP, IBM PC, the Commodore 64 and the TRS-80. And then the software that was in style was Lotus 1 to 3. So that was a long time ago. And in that year, my mother said, you know, I, I declare you to be a CIS major. I think that's going to be good for your career. You're going to make money. There's always going to be jobs. And so that's what I did. So I just, you know, kind of picked, I went to high school and I majored in computer science. I did some pretty unusual technology. So for your, um, your viewers, I don't know if, if they'll even know what this is, but I used to, when I was in high school, I used punch cards and I, in, in, in a program using, um, a program called RPG. So it's like report some program generator. I think that's what it stands for. So I used punch cards. I did COBOL and I did some like really other old school stuff. And then eventually I made my, my way to Manhattan College, which is, you know, where I went to um, school from my undergrad. I majored in com computer information systems. I did really well. I won the medal for my, for my major. Um, and I knew that I even, you know, then in the tender age of 21, that I wanted to use tech to transform business. That's what computer information systems was, you know, that's what the major was about. And all these years later, I'm not 100, but I'm pretty close to it. And all these years later, I'm still doing that. I'm still using technology to transform business. So I, I feel like that's pretty incredible, like that my mother knew to, to send me this way. And that when I was 21, I knew like, yes, you know, like I just want to use technology just to make things better and easier for, for business people. So my first job was at Anderson Consulting. Um, one, it's now called Accenture. So it's gone through a name change. Um, probably one of the best places to work at that time. I learned from so many amazing colleagues, like the best of the best was at Anderson Consulting. And um, yeah, so that's that's kind of how I got started in tech. 
That's an awesome story. And shout out to your mom for being yeah. so so visionary, right? To, I think so. You know, because so, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just gonna say I agreed that I don't know how my mother knew that. And she's not someone who like went to college or you know, very kind of very humble. She she did graduate from high school, but she didn't, you know, she wasn't like um a very educated person in the, you know, in the sense that she went to college and like kind of had knowledge. She was like, a, she took care of us at home. Like she was like a, a, a mom that just waited for us to come back from school. And she, you know, took care of for raised, raising four children, but she knew that. And I love that about my mom. Yeah. So that's pretty fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah. I met my parents very similar um, blue collar. My mom, you know, they didn't really know about tech, but they knew I had an interest in tech. They, mm. You know, they brought me home a la- like a computer and they just let me, you know, do my thing. They knew I, I was pretty good at using it. I don't think they knew what I was doing, but they knew I was having fun. They saw me reading books about it and they kept fueling the passion, right? Yeah. They kept giving me things. So it's, it's great when that generation, um, the previous generation helps you forward and not even know that they just transform your life and all yeah. the other ladies that um, you probably impacted on the way to get here. So that's, that's pretty phenomenal. Yeah. So this um, goes into the next question. You talked about your educational path. What drives you? What sets your, fo- your soul on fire? When you get up in the morning, what really invigorates you to get the day started? So those are two different questions. I'll answer okay. the first one first because it's yeah. very easy. And then I'll yeah. talk about like kind of what gets me going. So yeah. I, ha- I mentioned I have a Bachelor of Science in Computer Information Systems. I continue my education and I ended up getting a graduate certificate in Mm e-commerce so that was my next um like kind of uh you know like official training Mm -hmm. and then after that I got a graduate certificate in e-business development Mm -hmm. and I went to NJIT and NYU those are where I got those certificates um respectively in terms of what kind of what gets me going in the morning um I'm I'm a customer success manager Mm -hmm. and I work I work very closely with customers that's like my primary job And I also help grow the business by getting customers to spend more money on technology. And so I'm very competitive. So like I have a quota, I have to meet my goals. I want my customers to be successful. I want to get good MPS scores. Those are like customer satisfaction, satisfaction scores. So like what gets me up in the morning is making sure that I want my customers to be happy, to be successful to be spending more money, to be, you know, um, and for my company to be doing great. Like, I just feel like I'm an ambassador for my company and the technology that we provide to companies to like really, you know, transform the way they do business. And so I, you know, I get up, you know, with the, all the energy that I can to like make all of that happen and to make sure that I'm my best self whenever I'm interacting with, especially customers, but even like my colleagues as well. That's awesome. That's that's definitely dope. So that that's cool. So like I guess just kind of just keep this momentum going. What are some of the passion project passion proje- projects you're working on? Yeah. So um, at work, um, I I have my main job, and you know, like I said, I'm customer success manager. Very focused on meeting and exceeding my quota and everything that is expected of me from my primary you know responsibility but very much on the side and, and also takes up a lot of my time is the work that I do with diversity, equity, and inclusion. So I'm part of um, a meetup group called Women Who Mule, and we're trying to just, you know, energize women who use the MuleSoft platform. Um, I am the um, 
hub lead for Latino Force New York, which is um, a Latinx employee resource group. So I'm very much, you know, obviously that takes up a lot of my time being a, a, one of the hub leaders for that. Um, I also am part of Salesforce Women's Network. And so again, it's all about, you know, advancing the cause of women, you know, like we're definitely, we're underrepresented in technology and, you know, in corporate America in general, but certainly in the technology space. So I spend a lot of my time trying to advance women, women of color and other historically excluded people. So not just advocating for myself, but advocating for all of us that are, you know, historically excluded and not represented at the table. And my goal or my, my, my hope is that, you know, the work that I do, you know, over time is going to, you know, break down the systems that keep us from advancing and from, you know, kind of being the leaders that I know we can be um, in tech, in corporate America, and in other spaces. Um, I guess that goes right into my next question, right? So um, what, I guess, talk about the value of mentoring others and being mentored. Because um, I know you just talked about like all the different, um, you know, organizations that you're a part of. Mm -hmm. So how much time do you spend on, you know, mentoring and being mentored? And how's that? And I guess another question, how has that helped your career and others' careers as well? Yeah, that's a lot to unpack there. But I will say that I'm, I love mentoring. So, so I'm, a, I'm a huge advocate. Um, I love being mentored and I love mentoring other people. I usually devote about an hour of my week um, to spend time with people, you know, an hour to a week um, with people, um, coaching them, mentoring, talking about, you know, things that they want to talk about that, you know, like career advice type stuff. And um, oftentimes it's strangers. So people will find me on LinkedIn and say, hey, like, you know, uh, could I, I, I like your profile or I like, you know, your posts or like, you seem interesting. Can we schedule time? And I always, whoever reaches out to me, usually it's women and mm -hmm. it's usually women of color, but it, it can be anybody. Mm -hmm. And I spend time with them and I'll talk to them, you know, ask them questions. They'll ask me questions. Yesterday, I was talking to a young lady who had questions about like my career path. And, you know, I feel like if anybody can learn anything from talking to me, then I am happy to share my journey uh, in the hope that it could maybe make it a little bit easier for someone coming, you know, coming up, you know, up the, up the ranks in terms of, um, me being, you know, me taking advantage of mentoring and, and coaching. I also have done that a lot in my career. I've been part of many mentoring programs that are offered by my job. I am currently part of some at work, um, today, presently, usually they have to do with like diversity or female or women or what have you. And, that's fine. I, I, when I was younger, like in, you know, 18, 19, I, it bothered me that I'm like, why is it a program for women? Or why is there a program for like Hispanics or like minorities, which is a word I don't like to use very much, but now I'm not offended by that. Now I embrace it because I know that we need it. Like we're so underrepresented and there's not a lot of us to look up to. So I know that we need it. And if I can get my hands on you know, a woman of color who is willing to coach me or even really anyone, but in particular, women of color are the ones that, that I look up to the most, then, then I am all for that. I feel like, you know, um, but, but, and I want to say another comment um, about mentoring in general. So I'm a big, I'm a big fan. Um, I'm all about, I'm all about relationships. So I will always put myself out there professionally. I don't know what I'm going to say that's going to impact someone else. I don't know what someone's going to say that might impact me. So 
I'm all for all of it. And at the same time, I know that mentoring is not enough. So there's um, recently, I would say maybe in the last year, two years, at least it's, it's become like I've become aware of it. Uh, there's been conversations and lots of articles about how women and people of color are very like they're over mentored, but under sponsored. And there's this notion of, you know, it's great that you're getting the coaching and you're the one-on-one conversations, but what you really need as a person of color or as a underrepresented or historically excluded person is people, you know, senior people with power and influence saying, I want Sly to get that position or to get on that special project. I want Hadi to go to the next level. I, I think Hadi's ready to manage some people. Let's put her in the position to do that. And that those are the things that don't happen as often as they should. And so, you know, for as, for as many mentoring programs as are out there for underrepresented people, we still continue to be very underrepresented. And so I do think like a shift into, you know, getting maybe some mentoring because we need the coaching, but, but more emphasis also on that sponsorship, which is so important because that's really what's going to move us into more of these leadership positions. So that's my take on all of that. Oh, that made so much sense. And I love that you shared a distinction between sponsoring and mentorship, um, because I think that's something that some people overlook. Even in my career, I had a lot of people mentor me, but I realized even to get into like a technology consultant role, um, I had to have buy-in from one of the senior engineers, right? He went to the manager and said, Sly is good, right? And he said, Sly is really good, but you need to interview him. Right. And that gave me the opportunity to have the at bat because I just need the at bat. Right. And then, you know, yeah. you, you have the interviews and the same thing for me going to Microsoft. One of the guys that worked on my account said, man, Sly, you're really good. I think you'd be a good fit for Microsoft. Would you want to come here? Right. So, you know, after he gave me, you know, the sponsor, I still had to go through four interviews, which was tough, but I had an at bat to get there. So you're right. Yeah. Um, so that that's definitely helped me out, especially when I was junior in my career finding and reaching out um, to people like yourself was something I did because especially my family, probably similar to yours, my family came from Barbados, right? So I didn't really have any contacts that I can call out to, to say, hey, you know, help me get my first job. So I use LinkedIn to reach out to people for jobs that I thought I might like, or just even just to ask them like, hey, can you share some of your story and how you got there? So I know I do that today now because I'm not starting to realize that I'm becoming the senior in my group, right? And now people are reaching out to me like, hey, Mr. Gittins, can I help you? And it's funny how the conversation is changing, but I love those conversations as well. And and I spend those because I I learn a lot from the new generation, the way they use technology, the way they market, the way they think. Um, It helps me. And then also um, they know a lot too. So they teach me too. And then I have a mentor um, who's been a leader, who's been a VP, who has businesses, right? Who helps shapes my my capacity to show me like, hey, Sly, you can get better in these areas because sometimes you just don't know. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, so I guess that goes into our next question. What challenges have you come up, um, come up for you as a woman of color in tech? How much time do we have? Oh, we got some time. So, you know, <laughs> how much you want to share? I'm just messing with you. <laughs> yeah, know. no, there, there are quite a bit of challenges. That's not, So I just wanted to start off saying, yeah, um, the list is long. Yeah. So I would say I would start off with, and, and maybe you've kind of had this experience too, Sly, but it's this notion of being the only. So like you, you enter a space, whether it's a physical space or a conference call, and like, I'm the only Latina, 99.9% of the time, I'm the only woman too. I've observed that on calls that I'm on and I'm like, 
wow, like I gotta, I gotta be like, come correct, be fully prepared and assert myself. Because like I said, nine times out of 10, I'm going to be the only woman. And then for sure, I'm going to be the only Latinx person in that room. And I need to really work very hard to command the room and, and, you know, um, establish myself and give myself credibility that I belong there too. You know, I'm not here just to take notes. I'm not here to just, you know, schedule the follow-up meeting. I'm here to contribute and to add value to the discussion. And sometimes, you know, if people see me, they're like, I don't, I don't know what impression they're getting just when they see me. So I have to make sure the words that come out of my mouth are powerful and, you know, establish myself in, as the professional um, and the subject matter expert that I am. So th those are very important things, but being the only person, being the only Latina or being the only, you know, woman or whatever, that, that that's, you know, kind of presents itself, uh, you know, as some challenges, um, from time to time, uh, you know, I, I have to remind myself like, hey, you need to really speak up now. Um, and then, uh, so, so that's one. Then there's, there's this whole notion of like microaggressions and like little things that people say that, you know, sometimes are like backhanded, like they, it's supposed to be a compliment, but it's like, oh, I, you know, wow, you're so smart or wow, like you, that's such an interesting career. And or, I don't know, the things that are like, I don't know, like sometimes it just doesn't sit well. And so just learning how to navigate that and not letting it um, really affect you or slow you down in that moment. Because sometimes, you know, it's like, I don't have, uh, I don't have the, the luxury of reacting to that in the moment because I have to get my job done. Yeah. So I'll deal with that later and maybe deal with the person later too. That's also a possibility, but in the moment I need to stay focused on the task at hand. So, so that's sometimes it's a challenge that I think is unique for, you know, maybe women of color, maybe people of color in general. It's just like, you know, there's a time and a place I'm going to deal with that later. Now I'm going to stay focused on the task at hand. Um, I've also had to deal with other people getting promoted and getting recognized while I have, not had the same opportunities. And that happens. That happens in general, I think, to everybody. But I think I would argue that it happens to um, historically excluded person, people a whole lot more. So I feel like for me, you know, I absolutely have had it happen where I'm on a path and I think, you know, it's like, okay, well, I, may, I, I feel like I'm next, you know, like I'm looking around and I feel like I'm next. And then someone swoops, you know, kind of around me and like comes from behind and it's like, no, I'm going to, you know, and they get promoted. And I'm like, wait a second, you came after me, you, you know, like you had less time to prove yourself and somehow you still managed to get promoted before me. So those, those, that's, I think is a little bit of a challenge that also we need to not take our eye off the prize. So it's like, I can't get mad every time someone else gets promoted. I, I, I notice it. I, I recognize it. I'm not, it's, it's not like I don't see it happening. And at the same time, I have to make sure that I keep my eye on making sure that I get promoted next. So a lot of this is like managing your emotion because you can't just like be perpetually upset or say like, God, I mean, there's a lot of inequity here, but you can't allow yourself to just like sit in it. You got to like, you can't feel sorry for yourself. You got to be like, okay, dust myself off get back up and I got to like keep my eye, eye on the prize. So, and that speaks to a lot of times where I have felt like giving up, you know, as a, as a woman of color in tech, there's a lot of times where, you know, people, some people are not nice and, or some people, you know, um, um, 
th- situations are very unfair. And I feel like there have been times where I have felt like giving up, but at the same time, I kind of do a little bit of a self pep talk and I'm like, no, your time is going to come. You have put in a lot of work. There are people who recognize it. You're, you are having an impact. You're meeting your numbers. You know, in the case of like, let's say the job I'm in now, you're, you're doing a good job with your customers. People are going to recognize it. You're adding value and your promotion it, or, you know, the next wonderful opportunity is just around the corner. Like, don't give up now. Yeah. So it's a lot of that self-talk where it's like, no, you cannot give up. You're not only representing yourself right now, you are representing the Latinas that are going to come behind you. So you better like put your, you know, your, I don't know, like your big girl pants on and get back in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, and, and that's what, that is a lot of what motivates me because I know it's not just for me that I'm, I'm opening the door for myself, but my hope is that it stays open. It remains open for the people that are coming behind me. So I don't mind doing that. And, but it also reminds me of how important it is that I don't give up and that I don't just kind of say, oh, well, whatever. It's like, no, I have to keep, you know, pursuing excellence Mm -hmm. and the things that I want, because then more people are going to come behind me. Yeah. And first of all, I want to say thank you for not giving up and thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that. Cause that definitely um, hits close to my heart because I have have many times when I felt like, man, why am I still doing this? Right. You know, why, why not further along? Right. Um, and, you know, those t- my thoughts definitely came to my mind. Should I keep going? And I tell myself, you know, I, I got to keep going first. Hey, I got to take care of my family, my grandpa, my grandma. They sacrificed a lot for me and my parents to get here. Right. So I have to keep going. And then for my daughter and, you know, my son to be and the other kids that look like me, they need to see it. Right. They need to have these outlets to be able to see that you can make it. Right. And um, it took me a lot of time. Like I even had, you know, I got a a journal. I I vent in there every day. Right. And I and that's not bad thing. It's just life. Right. It helps me deal with some help me cope sometimes. Right. Um, You know, I. I got, you know, friends, I call them my board of directors, right? You know, that talk to me, right? So we can have these discussions, right? Because I I have calls where they're like, Sly, you, dang, I didn't realize you were so smart. I'm like, why you seem like this is a a surprise, right? Like you talk really well. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm supposed to talk. You know, this is a standard. This is an accomplishment. Don't put your short, your, your limited goals on me, right? And I always tell myself, my grandma told me one thing when I was like nine, don't let people put their limitations on you and they can't, they don't have the power to change your emotion. Only you do. So every time that happens, that comes in my head, I calm down, take a deep breath and say, let's keep it moving because it's not worth it. That's why I started like um, this women in tech series, my channel, I buy houses, right? I do these things. Not for me is to show that I can do it, but also the next generation that they can do it. Right. And then these opportunities are there for all of us. If we know, grab it. Um, and, you know, being a little bit more prepared because I'm on the calls and I'm usually the only African-American, right? There's other males there, but it's usually the only African-American there. So I, I, got, I got to be a little bit different. And if they are, they're not from, uh, I like to say, the trenches like I was from, right? I was from, you know, deep in Bed-Stuy, right? You know, we didn't, we had enough, right? Uh, we didn't have everything, but we had enough. And my parents uh, did a great job. So like, I'm usually not in you know, people can't relate to how I grew up and that's okay. 
Um, but I use that to fuel me to keep going forward, right? To keep breaking down these barriers. So can I can I say something about that? You just reminded me of something. Mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes uh, I don't know if you feel this, but sometimes I feel like I have to be perfect. And I know I've had conversations with other women of color, mm-hmm. but sometimes there's that like you can't mess up because everyone's watching and it's that one little thing that you do that makes you human, it will be held against you. So there's a lot of pressure to be perfect or pretty close to perfect, you know? So I have to be like on fire, you know, MVP of this quarter and that quarter rookie of the year and whatever else I can be, because, you know, Otherwise, I feel like I'm letting down my people, you know what I mean? Or I'm like, you know, then they're going to be like, oh, you see, you know, um, they're lazy or, or they're not, you know, smart enough or they're this way or that way. So I do feel a lot of pressure to be perfect. Yeah. I don't know the, um, if you if, if you've had that experience, but you reminded me of it as you were talking, because, yeah. you know, sometimes like being that only is then you're like, OK, well, now I'm representing, you know. I don't know, a couple thousand people, a couple million people now in this yeah. room. So let me yeah. like make sure I'm on fire. But anyway, yeah, yeah I, I definitely, <laughs> yeah, I definitely feel that, man. My parents always tell me, you know, my older brother, like, you know, you can't fail, right? Is this not an option, right? So it's not an, uh, option. It's not an option, right? So um, I, I learned to, to, to talk, talk to myself and I, I have it and I, I keep putting out content, but I try to, you know, I review it. I got multiple layers, right? You know? Um, but yes, that that pressure to be the best is in me, right? Competitive at a fault. Um, I learned that now I need to let my guard down a little so then I can be a part of the team and do what's best for the team. But internally, I know I'm pushing myself. Like my notes is on point when I'm on the call. I'm prepared. I'm talking. Um, I'm doing these extracurricular activities, right? Because I know there's someone else out there that I can help to be better and then my parents always ingrained that into me, right? Like, you have to be better. I remember my older brother and my mom, when I came home with a 90, they're like, what are the 10 points at, man? Like, you can't oh. do that. Like, oh, my God. I had a teacher in junior high school who used to say, the passing grade is 100. And, man, did that stick with me. In high in, in so that was junior high. High school and college, I was still trying to get 100 on all my tests because of that teacher. She was no joke. She, that's how much that influenced me that I was like, oh my God, she's right. The passing grade is 100. I have to know hundred percent of what's happening right now. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's, that's funny. You said that. Cause that man, I, when I was in school, man, I used to, I wasn't the best student, man. Right. I was like a B student. So, but I used to push myself every day. I'm hanging out with the kids that got the A's, right. Trying to get better. <laughs> right. And then, but what that taught me is right is that work ethic, right? Because even if you don't get that hundred, if you aim it for that hundred, you get pretty close, right? Yep. You know, if you're not get, you achieve it. So like, even in my life now, like I always, like if I'm looking for a job, I start doing what it takes to do now, right? Like in my role, how do I build it into my day? Um, like I'm always looking for that next thing and what are the steps to get there so then I can be prepared, start building the pieces now. What literature do I need to read? Um, like even you know, stuff for women in tech. How do I, how do I um, identify my biases, right? How do I identify my, my, my shortcomings, right? How do I prepare to be able to connect, right? Because some things I just don't see, right? And I understand that, right? So those are the things that I, I'm glad that, you know, our parents 
and teachers and, and community told us to do that because that's really what helped, I know, helped me now today to keep trying to push to be the best version of myself. And I know it's a lot of work to do. And the fun thing about it is now I get to share that with my daughter, right? Is how can she be the best version of herself, right? And I don't want, like, I want to show her what's out there, but I want her to take control and know that it's up to her and um, that she has the power to do what she wants. And that's what even fueled me to start this, right? So yeah, that's, that's, that's cool, man. Like it's a, sometimes it's a burden, right? When you keep trying to just do a little bit more, like I even saw it when I was at you know, I would come home and read, uh, like we had something when I started from tech support called, it was for HP, it's called Quick Specs. It was like their manual. I had to go home and read it. So when I came onto the tech support calls, I knew where everything was is I would highlight it. So when we got on a call, I dropped my, my call time down and then they put me on like 11 lines. So I like, all right, well, if I'm on 11 different lines, like from VMware to backup to cloud, I need to have this in order, right? So I create, I went home for a weekend made my one note perfect, but everything where I need to get it from, where I need to go, where's the links. So that when I package it over, but anyway, I digress, but I thought that was just funny because I just kept doing it. People are like, why are you working? You're not getting paid for that time. At the time I'm hourly, I'm like, well, this is going to help me for the future. And those similar still skills help me today. Um, but um, yeah, that, that was great, man. Uh, I guess this goes right into the next question. What excites you about the future of women in tech? So in a word, I would say everything. I love the younger generation. Um, they are very different from, uh, I don't know, are you a generation um, X person? Yes. Yeah, same. And I feel like um, our generation was very, like we just, maybe you could call us adaptable. I don't know, that, would, that that's as positive as I would frame it. But I think we also were a little bit just kind of, um, kind of accepted things the way they were. I feel like, you know, uh, uh, people didn't want to rock the boat. They didn't want to like ruffle any feathers. And I feel like this generation and the one behind it, they're, they're not having it. They are using their words and their actions to drive impact. They're creating the world that they want. They are not accepting the world that's being handed over to them. And I love that about the new generation. And I feel like, you know, the women that are coming behind me, have just a lot of good energy. They have good, they have, you know, like dreams, aspirations, um, and they're advocating on their own behalf at very early ages. I will tell you a, a short little story. I have a, a mentee who uh, had a job at Google this summer and her, she, you know, so her classmates, she's in, uh, in college, uh, her classmates, some of her classmates were working at other companies, other big companies that were getting like really nice, like relocation stipends for the summer. And she wasn't getting one. And they decided her, the people that were going to be, um, uh, you know, interning at, at that company decided, you know what, we're going to push, we're going to like, put a, a letter together. We're going to like do a little petition. Everyone's going to sign it. And we're going to say, Hey, like everyone else is getting this. We are proposing that we get the same, you know, you know, like they kind of, they not only identify the issue, they also propose like a solution to it. And they ended up like getting it. And I was like, that's so different than like, uh, my, I feel like our, our generation was like, Oh, well, you know, we didn't get it too bad. So sad. Like there was nobody to complain to. No one wanted to hear it. And like off we went. And I feel like this new generation is like, they're like, uh, 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 like things need to be fair. 
things need to be equitable. We want diversity. We value diversity. We expect more from companies. We don't want like, you know, we're not going to be in the office all the time, but we're going to be productive. And everybody has like a side hustle. They got like 10 different things they're doing on the side. And I just feel like it's a, it is it's very inspiring. So I really like being around young people. And like you said, I think you mentioned it earlier, like learning from them. I feel like I have something to learn from the young people and maybe it gives me, that keeps me a little young too, you know, Mm -hmm. to just be like, Oh, like that energy and, and their, um, I don't know, their enthusiasm and their approach to the world and how they, you know, approach not only work, but their personal time and their personal projects. I like it. And I, and I like want to, you know, um, get some of that good stuff from them because I think they're doing it really well. They're approaching it well. And I think it also, they, they also are very focused on, on mental health. Yeah. And I feel like that is also really good because they are keeping the important things top of mind. So yeah, mm-hmm. I like the I, young people. And that's, that's cool. But I also think it's the exposure, like that's everywhere. Side hustle, being an entrepreneur is cool the access to information is so much easier. You know how much work you would have to do to figure that out back in the beginning? I, I still remember going and getting an encyclopedia to start learning in my life. Oh, yes, right? you, 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 know you got that right. I, I remember that too. Our encyclopedia was in the basement. Every time I had a project, I had to go down in the basement, pick the right letter. I had to find the letter because the encyclopedias were a little bit everywhere yeah. and um, find the right page. And, you know, and then of course, like, you know, uh, there was nothing to type. So you had to hand, like handwrite anything that you learned from the encyclopedia. So yeah, it's very different. Yeah, you can li- literally, I can like now like automatically hashtag anything I want to like, if it's like women in tech, it automatically goes to my, e- I mean, my, my, um, my Google drive, it organizes it for me. Everything is easy. Like it's way easier to get information. Like yeah. for me to create this um, interview series, not hard it would have been. I would have to fly to New York, shoot it. Then hopefully that I can get a hold of you. And then um, if anything went wrong, I had to come, you come back to New York to do it over. It's, it's so much easier. Isn't that crazy? That's yeah, wild. It's technology just- has wild. really made us, uh, it made it easier to have these conversations and it made it normal to have these conversations. Cause I remember I actually, Gen Y, I had to double check it for a second cause I'm 1988. Um, cause even for me, like I'm, my older brother's 13 years older than me. Right. Uh, and he sees the world a little bit different than I do. Like I'm so used to, you know, having multiple side gigs. I'm good with the computer. I can teach myself everything on the fly. He still does it, but we do it in a completely different way. But yeah. then I realize now when I look at my nieces and nephews who are like nine and 11, they on zoom calls playing video games. Isn't that like, crazy? I just, I'm fascinated by it all, but happy for them. Yeah, it's, it's cool. It's, it's really cool, man. Even looking at the video games, man, I had Sega Genesis and I thought that was the best thing ever. Now I had Atari Yeah, with, so, with the joystick and the oh joystick. my goodness. <laughs> yeah, that was joint. I, I remember having Atari and I remember having Super Nintendo. I thought I was living in the best days of my life. It was fun. Saying, now, that's right. Now you don't even need a console. Like everything is in the cloud. I can just play it on my phone. I'm like, this is insane. But yeah. But I think but I, I do get a lot of energy watching that. Even I see one of my um one of my best friends, little brother, and this guy's buying houses in different states. Like I just got a house, you know, houses in, in where I'm at. He's like, nah, you slide, gotta go to Miami, gotta rent out the house, then I'm gonna Airbnb it. Oh, there's an app that you can get cleaner to so come there for you. You don't need to beat it. So he's not even in the city, he's gonna do everything. He got a lawyer online. I'm like, yo, this is different, right? Yeah. You know, so he's teaching me now 
on how to do it. And he's like seven, eight years younger than I am. Right. So again, it's like, it's, it's energetic, right. To keep that idea fresh. So yep. yeah, same thing. I, I think I, I definitely, yeah. And um, so let's talk about what's some of your favorite books um, and or podcasts that you like to listen to or read. Yeah. So I'm, I'm an avid reader. I read every single night. Um, so uh, not a lot because it's like how I go to sleep. So sometimes I read a page, sometimes I can read 10 pages, but, um, one book that I read recently that I loved, um, uh, and it's not a new book, but it was new to me is called born a crime by Trevor Noah. Um, are you familiar with it? Yep. I read that book. That was fantastic. That, that was an amazing book. Yeah. Just really like eye opening and like, very different because it's like it's not the U.S. and you know that's like what we know and it's like well now this is set in, a, in Africa, South Africa and it's like a different you know kind of uh, the rules are different and everything is different and um and anyway and the way he tells the story is just funny and interesting and he takes such a complex story and makes it a little bit funny and accessible to everybody so kudos to him for being an amazing writer and and just being able to share his story with all of us I thought it was really good and I cracked up so much in that book um uh and then I I also love podcasts so I am a big walker I walk a lot and so I'm always listening to something on on in on my um you know from my phone um some that I want to, uh, two that I want to call out are related to diversity, equity, and inclusion. So one is called Inclusion in Progress, and it's by um, someone named Kay Favela, and she's a Filipino-American based in Spain, and she's like an international diversity, equity, and inclusion consultant, and she talks about things from the perspective of the U.S. and from the perspective of, like, you know, Europe, and she just has a lot of interesting perspectives, and she's amazing, and I really enjoy her and have learned a lot from her. Um, the other um, podcast that I really like is called Quien Tu Eres. The title Spanish, but the podcast itself is in English. But the people that are featured are usually Latinx. And it's worth, it's the, the um, I guess the person or the entity that publishes it is called Plural. That's the name of it. And uh, the gentleman who actually is the person, the host, his name is Pavel. And um, anyway, Quintueres is really interesting because it's all about like authenticity. That's the topic. That's the, that's the general topic of it. And Quintueres is like, who are you? That's basically what Quintueres is in that's Spanish. Right. I know we were talking earlier about like how much Spanish, you know. So yeah. Quintueres means who are you? Mm-hmm. And and then it's just like we just talk. Uh, he just talks about authenticity with his guests. And, you know, authenticity is like kind of a hot topic right now. So he talks about that. He talks about mental wellness and like the relationship between being authentic and, you know, keeping, taking good care of yourself. Like, you know, they're related, you know, cause if you can't be yourself, you, that causes a lot of tension and conflict in your life. And to the degree that you are able to be yourself more than I think there's more freedom in that. And, you know, you're a little bit more well because you can do that anyway. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of tension and, and a lot of Latinx people just talk about their experiences and he brings like queer people and Afro Latinos and just kind of a big mixed bag of it. So a lot of people have different perspectives that they bring. And I, I really like that one. Like that one's a lot of fun. So I recommend it. Quien tu eres. Yeah. All right. Sweet. That's great. I'll make sure to put those in the show notes and in okay. the YouTube description. So they have access to that. And then last but not least, how can the audience contact you? Yeah, so I am big on social media, but specifically on two 
um, platforms. So I'm, I, I'm big on LinkedIn. So I love uh, people reaching out to me, connecting with people. I'm very active on LinkedIn. I'll post a couple times a week. So I am Hattie Mendez on LinkedIn. And I, I am fairly confident that I am the only one. So you can find me on LinkedIn under my name. And then um, I like Instagram a lot. I'm actually, I didn't mention this before, but I'm a amateur street art photographer. So my Instagram account is mostly going to be street art pictures, mostly from New York city. Cause that's where I live, but um, it's hottie on the web. So um, that's my uh, handle on Instagram and anybody can follow me, especially if you like street art, cause yeah. I'm going to be sharing pictures all the time. That's my thing. And I, I, I there, I post like several times a day if I can't. So that's, uh, you know, I'm pretty active there. Awesome. Well, man, this has been a fantastic conversation, Hattie. Man, and this might be number one. I, I might have, this might be the number one I had, a conversation I had on here, man. But, oh, uh, I appreciate that. It was great. I feel like we really connected. I, I know the audience is going to learn Brooklyn, a lot from The Brooklyn blood. You know that already. You know, you know how we do. So <laughs> Sly Gittins and Hattie are out. Peace. Peace.